I believe patience is really big and also taking advantage of an opportunity that's given to you. If you know what you want, my goal was always international and I always kept that in the back of my head, but I also knew I had to put my due diligence in, get my experience. Welcome to the Gas Compression Podcast. This is the only podcast out there for professionals working in the gas compression industry. Each week, we'll be bringing you interviews and discussions with some of the leaders in the industry to discuss the latest trends and what the future holds. If you're working in the gas compression industry and have always wanted to sit down with the leaders in our field to pick their brain, this show is your chance. This episode is sponsored by Gas Compression Magazine. Published monthly, Gas Compression Magazine provides in-depth coverage of the products, systems, technologies, and news that affect the global gas compression industry. Available in print and digital delivery, subscribe for free at www.gascompressionmagazine.com. All right, welcome back to the Gas Compression Podcast. I'm excited today. My host is Jadwiga Podroski. Did I say that correctly? That's right. <laughs> okay, it's a, it's a tricky one. This is National Women's Month. Is yes, what, it's National Women's Month this it's month. It's National Women's Month. So excited to have you on and learn what your experience has been like in our industry. Currently, you are an executive assistant at Process Point Energy Services. Correct. But you have also worked your way through the ranks of a lot of some places that everyone will be familiar with. So let's just start out with uh, how in the world did you end up in the gas compression industry? So this is going on year eight uh, that I've been working in the industry. I graduated from Texas A&M with a marketing degree and minor in Spanish. And from there, I've always known I wanted to travel and work internationally. I didn't know where or what I was going to do, but that's what my goal was. So I went into the medical industry for a couple of years and that wasn't quite my thing. I wasn't quite sure I wanted to stay in it. And being that I grew up around gas compression, my father's been in it for 30 plus years and I've been to locations when I was five, six years old. You know, we were those kids going out back then, coloring equipment books, those manuals. Those were the things that I did when I was younger. So talked to my dad. I was like, well, teach me about gas compression. So I got the 101 and uh, I was able to get into a program with Exterin at the time. That was a year long and they're like, okay, well, you got to be prepared to go into the field. Can you do that? Well, sure. Why not? I was going to be the first girl that did it, but I went in and I worked in the shop for about four months, rebuilding packages. And then I worked in Carrizo Springs Went to the field, did call outs, went out with the guy. Okay, hold on. I want to stop right there. So you were the first girl to go into this program. Mm-hmm. You go into the shop on day one to start rebuilding in, like revamping packages and stuff like that. Right. Yeah. What was that experience like going in to, where, where was this? So this was in Victoria, Texas. Okay. So going in, going to the shop, how many women were in that shop? Two. <laughs> okay. What, what was that like? Were you a little nervous? Were you like, I don't care. Let's go. I mean, how were you received? Tell me about that experience going in day one. So in the program, there was four of us total. It was, we were all the three other guys and they were all from different. They graduate some, one of them graduated from a bigger school. One was just from a tech school. One from was international and we all got together. So we had the same experience going in and they introduced us to the shop and like, Hey, we need you to shadow. These guys will move you around, kind of get you familiar with it. And then when it came to me, they weren't too sure what I could handle, what I was okay doing. The guys kind of were 
were very careful with what they said, but being a female going into the industry, I knew I had to be a little bit open-minded at the same time, knew where the, the line was to be drawn as far as respect. And they were all great to work with. I never had any issues. They were like, you want to try this? Sure. I jumped right in, started on some of the small 3306 packages and then eventually worked up. Uh, we got to work in the yard, moving stuff around a typical rebuild shop. So it was nice just to right, get that feel. And they're like, okay, well, she can handle it. So they let me go. If you want to do this, you're going to get into it. <laughs> awesome. So how long did you spend in the shop working on packages and getting hands-on stuff? It was about three and a half, four months. And then what was the next step in that process? So in the next step, I got to go to Carrizo Springs. And in Carrizo, I spent the same three and a half, four months working in the field. I shadowed some of the mechanics. I worked with the leads. I went on call outs all hours of the day, did PMs, and I did my first top end on a 3516B there. Quite the experience. Changed out my first 3600 turbos, and that one I hope to never do again, but that was only <laughs> the beginning. So I really got to feel, the whole point was to know how the field worked, how it operated, what was to expect, because some of the guys in the program were eventually, they may end up in the field. Mm -hmm. Not saying that I would, would not, but my whole intention was if I was going to go into the industry, I wanted to know from the ground up where I was going to be, or if I was going to get to the top, I wanted to know what was going to, you know, what it took to get up there and how the business ran. So, but going into the field, it was different compared to the shop. You know, working at all hours, you had to be able to be out in the middle of nowhere. And especially in Carrizo Springs, if you've ever been down there, there's not a lot down there. There's, it's quite empty. So all you got is just work. And I was put in a good location. My brother was down there at the time. So, you know, I was well taken care of. Uh, even the managers at the time, they were making sure I was okay. You had to make sure you wore your FRs, you were safe. Everything had to be followed. So there was no excuses for anything down there. Mm -hmm. So it was really cool. We worked, it was during the winter time. So we got to experience all the freezes and <laughs> what to do about them. And when there was issues. And so from there, after those four months were up, we went, it was a six month long applications. So I did sizing. I got moved to corporate at that time. And that's where the beginning of the process of setting the packages started. At Xterran, you're still at Xterran. I was still at Xterran. <laughs> so this was still the year-long program and it was called sales and operations development. So that's where kind of the whole idea of learning the operations, learning where it began the process, what happened once it got to the field. And now that I was in the sizing part, I got to know when a customer requested what they wanted, this is where we had to find the packages, make sure it fit, if we needed to do any revamp. So I got a good idea. I worked there and did that for about six months. And when the program was over, they asked, well, what do you want to do? You want to go sales or do you want to go operations? And there wasn't really a position open yet for operations for like, what was I going to do at the time? I wasn't going to be a mechanic and I well knew that. But at the same time, I didn't want to stop learning and I still wanted to be very involved with the field. So I chose operations and that was definitely a different step. We had to get creative on what I was going to do. And I got relocated to Oklahoma. So that was the next step. And so each time I'm moving around, I felt like this was a good way to get idea of different ways business units worked. They're not all the same. Uh, same equipment, but different cultures, different issues. They all ran differently. So in Oklahoma, I helped develop the operations coordinator position. 
So that was developed and I really got a feel to work with the managers, scheduling, maintenance, even more involved in operations. So I worked with the mechanics still up there as well. There was 13 managers up there and I worked with every single one of them. What part of Oklahoma was this? In Yukon. But that business unit covered Arkansas, Kansas, the Panhandle, and all of Oklahoma. Big area. It was very interesting. There were different guys up there. They had different ways of learning, of doing things. So, you know, one thing going into the industry is there's more than one way to skin a cat. So it was great working with those guys. I learned so much about how they ran their business compared to how South Texas ran their business and what made it successful up there and what was issues were they lacking or how could they get better? And I was really enjoying the operation side of it. I continue wanted to learn and it was being this, the operations coordinator position that I had taken on really grew big and the company wanted to continue the position in other business units because they saw the success of it. So I got relocated after a year and a half to the Permian. My last leg started. And once I got to the Permian, they said, well, if you can survive the Permian, you can survive anything in this industry. (laughs) And ain't that the truth? Yeah. But it's really good that I'm I'm really glad that I went out there. I got the position started and was able to bring someone else and train someone into it and got, that's where I was asked if I'd like to move to a manager position. Being a female and taking on that position, I was nervous about it. But at the same time, I knew I had one job and that one job was to take care of the guys get what they needed, be the communication between them and the customer, between them and the upper management, make sure that they could do their job and they were taken care of. And all I needed to do was trust them to do their job. What were some of the major cultural differences that people worked between being Yukon and then going to the Permian? What was that? What were some of the big things that jumped out at you? Definitely different pace. At the time, it was booming, but it was about to take off even more. It was in the beginning of the... What year was it that you moved to Hermione? It was in uh, 2017. Okay. So it was already on the high rise. And over the... So I was the service manager for three years. And I saw it get even busier over those three years. So, but definitely different pace. Out in the Permian compared to the Oklahoma business unit, they were on the go, 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 where it was a little bit calmer. They knew they were able to access parts. It wasn't, didn't take as far, like as far. So I took care of the Delaware Basin and it's very hard to get source parts out there. You're going to have to drive more than an hour for most of the time. Just resources in general is like, it was going to take a little bit longer, even though they were coming in faster. The work was coming in faster, but it was going to take a little bit longer to get done just because of resources being out there. And you had to drive three, four miles or sorry, three, four hours just to get to another location. Mm -hmm. But it was definitely so much going on out in the Delaware that you had to be prepared to handle almost multitask. People say you can't multitask, and that is true, but you had to be aware of so many things going on from all about your different customers. You got your different issues and you had more equipment to be aware of that was going on. But I really learned just from the culture and the mechanics compared to others. And you had the Permian, you had different people coming from everywhere, different technicians, different training. And then in Oklahoma, they were all pretty local. 
They had all been there. They were all used to the atmosphere. They knew what they were working in, where when you brought new people to the Permian, you had to make them prepare. They weren't prepared for what they were about to enter. And just like you probably weren't either when you first got there. I was like, whoa, what's going on here? (laughs) And even compared to when I was in South Texas, I was like, you have a lot more entering and having them to get them settled and taken care of. And like, hey, you're not in the same place. I just need you to be aware of what's going to happen. If you need something, you tell me because more than likely you will. That happened more often than not. So I knew I had a lot more on my hands to take care of. And the phone ringing 24-7, that it was very busy all the time. (laughs) You know, even as a vendor, we struggle with that a little bit because we do work Southwest Kansas. I mean, the pace in Southwest Kansas as a machine shop, like it's just a completely different ballgame. When you're doing work for the Permian Basin, it's a completely different universe. I mean, same company maybe, but it's just a completely different expectation. So yeah, we totally get that. That is a major difference. I think too, is like something that we always saw, I would hear more than once how things would happen in the Permian that they had never seen before. Mm -hmm. Even those that had been in the field for 30 plus years, you know, they're like, how did this happen? (laughs) Never in my life have I ever seen it. And so it's a new challenge. There was always a new challenge to face and to figure out how to solve. We knew there had to be a lot more patience out there being that we came across these new problems, you know, even with our vendors, they're like, sorry, that's never happened before. So I wait to see how do we take care of it? What do we do? You know, you start calling, making all those phone calls, like we need to figure out this new issue. You're a manager at Exteron in the Permian. Did you run into or find any other females that were kind of at your same level that, that you kind of became friends with or within Exteron or in other companies that you're kind of like sharing experiences with, you can talk with? Did you find that? So when I became first females out there in the Permian as a service manager, so it definitely was new to everybody. I'm pretty blessed that I have great resources, a phone call away at all times. So whenever I had my first team out there, they weren't quite sure what she knew what she's doing. (laughs) She's going to come out here and work with us. Is she going to sit behind a desk? fingernails painted and lipstick on. And they're like, okay, well, I don't know if we'll ever see her. But that first week I went out there and I worked with them. I had to get a cylinder changed. I hadn't been changed in a couple months. So he was like, who's going to help me? And I did. And as that came around, they got to know who I was. And I also noticed, like, I looked for those other females that were out there. I encouraged them to come out more. I got to talking to them, letting them know that, hey, these are my guys. I'm the one, you know, going to be taking care of them. If you need anything, go through me. But there was a lot of the females were in the parts. There are some great ladies out there that can name every part in the book and really get you taken care of. They were handling business. There were some engineers that I had worked with when it came and also with safety. They had a different role as far as like trying to manage the operations, but they were still involved out there. So as the year progressed after my first year, I started seeing more and more out there. It wasn't like uncommon to see even a female operator um, on location or people doing audits or emissions. And so They always questioned if I was going to be safety or HR, but they knew, finally got to know, oh, it's just GP. It's okay. Is that your nickname? You go by GP? JP. Yeah. Yeah. That easier name than Jedwiga. I was like, yeah, JP, Jed. So that's usually what it was. Okay, cool. So you're at Xterran for, you've been a manager for a year. How long were you at Xterran before either process point came looking for you or you went looking for them? 
So I was a manager for three and a half years out in the Delaware. We grew up to 100,000 horsepower out there and it was huge. It was growing fairly quickly over those three years. We went through a lot of equipment and growth. And after the 2020 COVID kind of came in, that's kind of where a lot of changes started to happening. We started to see multiple things come on. And as far as process point, a new opportunity, I had still wanted to come, go international. When Archrock and Exteron split, X, X, international with Exteron. So I wanted to continue with Archrock and continue my learning and getting to know the industry. And I was in a good position as far as operations and really under, trying to understand the business. And I wanted to continue that growth before I left to realize, go work in a different country where it was going to be completely different. Process Point came around shortly after in 2020, and it was my opportunity to go international. My boss has been in industry for 30 plus years already, so he knows the international side. And apparently knowing this was being able to speak Spanish and working with like South America, it was going to be to my benefit. Like this was my chance to go. That's when I moved out of the Permian. Awesome. So where are you now? Houston? In Houston. Okay. Yeah. So tell me about Process Point. What are you doing there? What is Process Point doing? How long has it been around? What are you guys focusing on? Process Point has been around since 2018. We do power generation, processing equipment, gas compression, and packaging. Mm -hmm. And we work, so we do a lot in South America and in Nigeria, all over. We're able to do, we have the availability to do a lot of processing equipment right now. We've been doing a lot of sizing. When you're working with different countries, it's the same equipment, but different needs compared to regulations and what kind of equipment they need. I've seen a lot of older equipment, whereas when I was in the Permian, everything is getting updated every month. You got new technology coming out. They want the bigger, the better, the newer going out there. Whereas right now, I've seen a lot of the older equipment go out or being sized or like, oh yeah, you know, we'll take a Waukesha or a Cooper, mm -hmm. you know, whatever they got out there. A lot of 3306s, smaller horsepower, because you also have a different setting. You know, you got the jungle, you got the middle of nowhere, you got to see logistics. Are we going to have to cross it by water? How long is it going to take to get over there? So is almost 100% of your business overseas for process point? Yes, 100% of our business is overseas currently. Eventually, we'll enter domestically. We have the capability, our shops in Conroe. Uh, we have the capability to do the packaging and to source all kinds of equipment, especially knowing we have to do it currently already. So that's kind of where we're at right now. So how does that, I've never talked to anybody that does this internationally. So you get a customer that gives you some specs, they want to move some gas. And so it's now on you to build a package and put it on a, like a container ship and ship it to Nigeria. Is that how that works? That's how it works. Yeah. So eventually, and it also depends on what kind of equipment and what if, if it's a 3306, okay, then on we can fit it on one skid and then one container and get it on a boat over there. And sometimes the logistics is not always on us. It's sometimes they want to take care of it. They're like, oh, well, we already have the freight border for it. So all I want you to do is find it for me and we'll take care of it from there. Or they will say, no, I want you to find it. I want you to get it to me and I want you to do the startup. That's what I was fixing to ask again. How often does Process Point have to go and travel and do the startup? Or are you guys just shipping it out on a container and saying, call us if you have any problems? 
It all comes down to the customer on what they want and how they want to handle it. If they want us to do the startup, well, we'll take care of the startup. We'll send uh, the equipment over there. Once it gets over there, we'll schedule it. Be like, okay, do you want us to put it together and do the startup on it? The commissioning, we will handle it. Obviously, if it's going to Mexico, we'll give it a couple of weeks. Like, oh, well, it needs to get over there. So in a month, we'll be there, get the equipment to location and start putting it together and doing the start the startup. Sometimes it could be a couple months. Sometimes it could be six months. Also, we have people in the countries that, that can take care of the startup or just the assembling. That's what I was fixing to ask. You just work with like vendors that are in Nigeria, in Mexico, in South America, these places. All over. So they can also be U.S.-based. So I do a lot of being in a small company. I wear multiple hats right now. Safety, logistics, parts, anything and everything. <laughs> have you gotten to travel? I know you want to do international. So have you gotten to travel to a lot of these places? I've got to go to Mexico. So far, I've got to travel to Mexico. We got a lot of projects going on down there. So it's really cool. South America is very busy, a lot of potential. And that's kind of, you know, being able to communicate with them. I do communicate with them when it comes to finding parts and I'm able to source those parts here locally. As we get busier, looking to travel some more, but that's kind of where we're at. So tell me about what's going on in Mexico. I don't know anything about what's going on gas compression wise. Is there drilling going on? Is there just more demand for commercial use of gas to generate electricity? I mean, what's creating like a, a busier atmosphere down there? They're flaring a lot of gas. So there is a lot to get moved. There's only so many businesses that will go work down there. There's a lot more you have to be aware of when it comes to their laws and their regulations on can your company go down there and work with them? Are you set up to be able to work within their limits? And are you able to source the equipment financially to take down there? That's just what it comes down to. Like they have, they're flaring with gas right now. They are drilling. There's a lot of to be moved. It's just, are you willing to have the patience to go through what you have to, to be worked down there? So is other places in South America besides? Yeah. So you got Mexico, Argentina, Brazil, Colombia, Peru. You're, you're sending stuff all those places? There is a lot of quoting and bidding going on. Yes, right now. So there is definitely a lot of potential for all the countries, a lot of work. Interflex does work down there. You have a couple of nat gas does work down there. So it really just comes down to getting in with what's happening in the political side and what they need. Just like as if you were out in the permit, you have your different customers and they may be looking for wellheads. They just want to maybe wanting to move gas in general down the pipeline. Same thing for down there. They just need to figure out what they want. And then from there, we figure out how to help them. Man, that's exciting. It's just, it's, you just kind of named exactly what you wanted to do and you're on your way there. It's really cool to see that for anybody, but especially a female in the industry, because it's just, you're kind of blazing a trail. You're the first and that's yes, really it cool. it definitely is very, I'm glad to be in this position now and having went through what I went, because I don't think I would have been as strong or aware how to handle what to expect international if I just went in firsthand international, like, oh, well, how are they going to get this gas compressor down there? What's it going to take to work down there? But knowing they don't have all the resources internationally as they do here domestically. Mm -hmm. So knowing that more has to be done while you're down there or how to get down there, especially with like tools and logistics, like we don't know what kind of roads they have to go down. 
And in the Permian, you always have a lot, especially Carrizo as well. You had the ranches. It's like, can we get equipment down these roads? What kind of trucks is it going to take? Same thing internationally, but on, I think on a different scale, like larger scale, like there's a lot more challenges you may have to face. And I'm really glad to be here to be able to learn that, especially from a boss who's been around in it and has a full experience to, so to learn from him and take on the next step is pretty cool. Yeah. So let's talk to the younger generation that may be coming up. A common thread and theme I hear from people like you and how you got to where you got is that you never say no. Whenever an opportunity comes up and you're in a position, you don't have a family, you haven't started a family or anything like that. You can kind of always, when a thing pops up and you say, you raise your hand, it doesn't matter what it is or how much time I'll be working, I'll take it. And you move to this unit and you learn a lot. And then something else pops up and you kind of move from place to place and you get experience in all these different things. But one of the most important things I think to comment on is having patience. It's that I'm going to spend a year here. I know this isn't my, I know I don't want to do this forever, but I got to stay here for six months or a year and learn this part of the business. And then I'm going to go learn that part of the business to eventually get to where you can be somewhere doing things internationally. So anything else you want to add to generation or young people wanting to get into the industry of the process of what it takes to get to where you've got and where you're headed? I believe patience is really big and also taking advantage of an opportunity that's given to you. If you know what you want, my goal was always international and I always kept that in the back of my head, but I also knew I had to put my due diligence in, get my experience and to be able to learn and get the respect I wanted if I wanted to grow in the business and help a business grow. So being able to be a part of a small company and watch it grow is very cool from the very bottom. So this is the next level for me after I was a part of a big company, a big corporate company. So knowing that you need to put that in, especially while you have no tie downs, take advantage of every opportunity. And even if it's long hours, they won't last forever. Said I was going to the Permian for a year and I stayed there three and a half years, but I wouldn't take it back. It was great experience. It was good. I have awesome mechanics that worked for me that I still stay in contact with that I'd be glad to work with again. Some of the greatest mentors that I have met throughout the last seven years and still help me today. And being in this industry, you want to make as many connections as possible and really keep in touch with them because you'll never know when you need them. I mean, they come in hand at all times, especially when you're working with old equipment, new equipment. If you're in HR, knowing who knows who or knows the newer generation or what kind of people they need out in the field, uh, safety, knowing the new rules and when you're about to need them in a situation, the safety people will always be there for you. So definitely keeping in touch and having the patience to get through each step is definitely worth it. Well, I'm uh, really glad you came on today and uh, it's fun to see people just blazing a trail, especially females in our industry and great conversation. And I can't wait to follow your career and see where you end up in later years. Definitely. I highly encourage no matter what gender, if they're coming into this industry, just to ask about it. If it's something that piques a little bit of interest, my father never thought I'd be in gas compression. Even since he was little, he's like, oh my goodness. And here I am eight years later, never thinking I'd be here. But once I set foot in it and really saw where I could thrive and still reach my goal of working international, it's definitely done me well. Like I like it. I'm not sure what else I would do at the moment, but it's definitely rewarding in the end. Awesome. Well, great conversation and uh, look forward to talking to you again soon. All right. Well, thanks for having me on. Looking forward to the next few episodes. All right. Thanks. 
Thank you for listening. We hope you enjoyed this episode of the Gas Compression Podcast. You can see the show notes and all the resources mentioned in today's episode at gascompressionpodcast.com. Thanks for listening and be sure to subscribe for updates on future episodes. This episode is sponsored by Gas Compression Magazine. Published monthly, Gas Compression Magazine provides in-depth coverage of the products, systems, technologies, and news that affect the global gas compression industry. Available in print and digital delivery, subscribe for free at www.gascompressionmagazine.com.